welcome to the Bendy Philby Show. I'm Philby. I'm Bendy. And this is the Bees. And that's Bees. We're going to jump into a little spoiler territory right away, so if you haven't caught up on the most recent episodes of Breaking Bad, aka the first three episodes, then I would bow out now for at least the next 10 to 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, that being said, Bees, you've been to watch this in the past month. You are completely caught up. I'll give you first crack at this. What are your What are your thoughts on this? Well, it ended, the latest episode ended, very abruptly, me and my brother were watching it, and we kind of looked at our watches, and, well, I don't have a watch, but we looked at the time, and we're like, I don't, I don't think they're going to wrap this up. So it ended on a bit of a cliffhanger, but it was very exciting. The cliffhanger being Jesse's Jesse. potentially burning down Walt's house, even though he doesn't, because we've seen the flash forwards. Right, but you can presume, I would guess, that he uh, writes Heisenberg, or graffitis it, on the side of the house. Uh, I think someone else said this, but uh, it's kind of always, every episode's, or every few episodes, is Jesse just kind of freaking out and making very, very, I won't say bad, but rash decisions. And he's my favorite character. I think he's like the moral center of the show, kind of, at least among, you know, the bad guys, quote. Really? What? How, how would you... Well, who would you define as the moral center? It's not Skyler anymore. It's not Skyler anymore, but... Maybe it's not. It's not Hank. I think... Well, I don't think... I don't think Jesse is the moral center. I think he's the... Uh, wow. Maybe moral center was not the correct term, but I, I think... I think he's, he's, he's the closest to a moral center that you can have, but I, I wouldn't say he's the, the moral center. I think the point is that everything's not black and white with this show. And you want him to make it, I think, most of all. He, I would say, is the hero of the show. Yeah, he's the Michael Scott of the show, the innocently ignorant of the show. No, he is. I don't know if I'd I say Michael say Scott. Yeah, innocently ignorant, but... Well, I'd say he would be. It's, it's kind of circumstantial that he ended guess, up in this I whole guess you could say he was beginning. ignorant until just this episode, the last five minutes of the episode. Right. Yeah. I mean, from the beginning, I think he he's always been along for the ride with Walter White doing everything major. It's funny how Walt has instilled in him such a a form of respect for him that you saw even in the preview when he's saying he's the devil, that he refers to him as Mr. White still. Mr. White is the devil. He can't even bring himself to say Walt, and that's how far he's been grinded down by Walt. That's actually a really good point. Can we talk about these previews, though? First off, I don't like this whole watch our next show. Yeah, I'm sorry. Low Winter Sun, no no wonder the ratings are tanking, because they're like, a new preview of The Walking Dead's next, right after a half hour of Low Winter <laughs> Sun. No wonder people hate that show. Even if it was the best show in the world, I still wouldn't want to watch it. Can't pull that kind of crap. And I haven't seen Mad Men, you know, next week on Mad Men things, but I've heard plenty about them, and I, from the one I've seen to Breaking Bad, it seems like the same kind of BS. The kind of not telling you much, but making it seem like they're telling you a lot. I don't know. How well, no, the, the descriptions for Mad Men on their t- weekly TV descriptions, they're hilariously short. Like, yeah. with the, for the finale, it was... Don goes on a trip, or it was like one sentence or something, which had, which really even have nothing to do with the episode. They're just they're allowed to be that vague. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this though: Do you think Jesse is he burning down Walt or trying to burn down Walt's house because of the ricin, or do you think the, he thinks the ricin poisoned that kid specifically? Well, Philby, what do you think? Because we know that's not exactly true. I. I'd say because the ricin poisoned that kid. But it did. It was the lily of the valley, right. but it was the same concept. But Jesse right. thinks it's the ricin. Right. Okay. He still, I mean, Walter still never admitted to him that it was, I mean, I think, I think it was that specific poisoning 
Okay. Kid. I think that's what it was that caused me. Well, the that. fact that he knows now that he's been swindled right. twice, he he didn't think that it was possible to do it. Then he saw that Huel lifted his weed. And then yeah. there's that there's that kind of ignorant innocence again, is that he's stepping back and saying, this guy's just been taking advantage of me this whole time. Which he knew, but he kind of got suckered into it again out in the desert. Especially after you can't tell at the moment if Walt's being heartfelt or not, hugging him, and Jesse's bawling, and you think he's going to turn it around, and then that's really just kind of, you would think, the last straw to be broken for Jesse. It's not heartfelt, in my opinion. Well, now it's now it's not, but at the, at the time, you can't tell. But Brian right. Cranston said when they were filming, they didn't tell him if it was or not. He didn't know. <laughs> he didn't see the future script, so he said he just played it like it was supposed to be. But he must be so in character, because you can even tell that he's, you know, it's obviously just placating Jesse. Mm-hmm. I always say the uh, scene at the Mexican restaurant was a perfect combination of tension and comedy. Uh, the waiter kept coming by. The I was guy... waiting for him to talk about his flair. The waiter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He reminded me exactly of that guy. <laughs> and he kept talking about the guac that's made at the table. And it's just it's a good example of how the show can be both incredibly tense and dramatic, but also funny at the most unexpected moments, which is really what comedy is. It's unexpected. And Philby, I was telling Bees this uh, a little bit earlier, but. I like one of my favorite things about the show is that they don't spell things out for you. They don't dumb it down. Like when Jesse realizes that his weed has been lifted, but links it back to Huel also lifting the rice and cigarette out of his pocket, is that they don't spell out. Like it's so, it's such a serialized show, meaning that you have to have watched every single episode and studied them to know exactly what was happening at that moment. And they don't even tell you what's happening until 10 minutes later. And also in the first episode of the season where. Walt spends five minutes literally searching for the bug, the tracer on his car, and they don't spell that out until the end of the episode either. They, they don't they don't pretend you're dumb when you're watching it. Right, and that's that's a that's a feature I like of that show. Um, particularly, uh, the recaps just are minimal compared to some of the AMC's other shows. Some of the Walking Dead episodes feel seem. You know what's going to happen at the end of the episode based on what they've recapped in the past episodes. Right, like which character can we show who's about to have something happen? Which character had such a dramatic moment in a previous season or previous episode? Even Mad Men does that. They're like, well, they'll link, they'll have a preview, but it links back to like the first season. Oh, I haven't seen this character in two and a half seasons. Oh, I wonder if Merle's going to show up again, or I I wonder if it's the. I think I said this a year ago in a blog post. No one probably read, but um. I'm kind of a for doing away with recaps altogether because with these kinds of shows, you, you better be watching. Unless maybe... Especially if you're on Netflix and right. stuff, too. With the on demand and... And I would say the only exception would be right before a finale. Like, if you have to catch everyone up on the last season, just as a helpful reminder. Or in a two-parter case where you have to catch them up on part one. Two-parter, yes. But... But if, for every episode, I'm completely against it. It takes up too much time. It's, it's too... It's cowardly for AMC. AMC has built such a following for all the three shows we've mentioned, Mad Men, Walking Dead, and Breaking Bad, that they shouldn't have to recap. I mean, if you're going to bring somebody in, if you're going to bring a new person in to watch the show, they have the option to watch it on Netflix. Netflix which helped they know, build AMC. They know people have because their viewership literally doubled mm-hmm. for the season premiere, which means everyone who <laughs> was binge-watching it right before the season, there's only less than a year delay in between seasons, so it's not like it just magically... Verizon offers free on-demand. It's... You know, you can get free on demand on the internet. It's not days of DVDs anymore. You can access these old episodes that you can recap a whole episode by yourself. 
I I watched. I also recently rewatched instead of watching Orange Is the New Black, which I should have. I rewatched uh, season two of Walking Dead and how abysmal that whole season was. Yeah. But I mean, there was it was slow. It was. I'm just the saying. I wouldn't say was them, the biggest event was them lifting a fat zombie out of a well with broken half. <laughs> I'm saying if the season had been like half as long, it would have been good. Yeah. Oh yeah. If they had ended on the Sophia part, yeah. it's because it was just so blatantly obvious about AMC switching showrunners right. and their budget issues. Is how can we go around the budget after we almost broke the bank on season one? And so they, let's have them at a farm. I want to get back to the catching up, though. I think people are also smart enough to, if they really want to, to just jump into the show. This you see this happen in comics. You know, people were intimidated by all the history in a comic like Spider-Man or Batman. If you can really jump in and within two issues or two episodes, pick up enough to go along with it. And if you don't, I mean, there's there's Wikipedia, yeah. there's things. If you don't want to go back and watch it, just read those. You can yeah. read the most detailed descriptions of any episode on there. Yeah, so I'm sick of these recaps, and I hope they don't. I mean, they're not going to stop. But, ugh. Let's go back to Breaking Bad real quick. Uh... Because I don't think we've had a podcast since it came back, correct? No, we were looking forward to it, but right. we haven't had one in the past three weeks. I will say that first episode when Hank picked up the garage door closer and hit it, that might have been one of the most intense moments, and still very quiet. And I'm glad they did not drag out the kind of revelation too long. But which is another just awesome thing about Breaking Bad is they're not going to tease it for a whole mm-hmm. season. They're going to get right into it. It's not like Lost where they're well, we'll explain who Jacob is in two seasons, but for now let's have them just walk around the island a few times. Which I love Lost, but that's just one they love to toy with people and just draw it out, just just flesh it out. Breaking mm-hmm. Bad's more character based. Everything's informed by character rather than plot. Or the plot is informed by character, I should say. I mean, the way, yeah, the way they jump into it, it, I agree, it's, it was much better done that way than uh, all the teasing around mm-hmm. that other shows typically do. And it's just, when you think you have a grasp on how the writers, where they're going to go with something, you know, you think they're going to draw it out all season, <laughs> it's going to be one big gunfight between Hank and Walt, it turns out to be the complete opposite, they lay all their cards on the table now where do they go from here? Mm-hmm. Which was just, even just the past episode, just a masterful stroke where, of Walt recording the video, where you think it's confession, and then just spirals, and I was just laugh, laughing to myself. <laughs> just seeing him, just pin it all on Hank. I want to get some uh, predictions, laid a little bit on our side of the table. Where do you think the show is going to go from here? What do you think exactly he's on the run from? We've seen the flash forwards, we've seen him. So what have we seen? We've seen him return to his house, we've seen him get the rice in from his house. Jesse obviously doesn't burn down the house. And that he's got a trunk full of AK-47s and it's been a few months that he's been on the run for. And he, he spells out his birthday at the Denny's. Well, but that's even possibly a fake birthday because it's an alias uh, to fake ID that he has. Correct. What do you think? Um, like how the series is going to end? Just the, the next few happen? episodes. I mean, we still have. Well, what do we have? We have six, six episodes I think left. Six. I think. I predict a Romeo and Juliet kind of end to um, Jesse, like permanent end. They're I'm talking fall in love. finale, finale. No, not love, but kind of. Uh, Jesse needs Walt, and Walt needs Jesse, and they both. Well, I don't think Jesse needs Walt anymore. Well, right, I think he could cut that cord. He did. Um, and Walt's done cooking, too, I mean, as far as we know. It is. All right. I don't know. I, I just think, but they still, 
they still do need each other. Um, I'm, they still are linked. You know, linked, yeah. They still. Walt is still in the position of you know I'm taking care of this kid who's got a messed up life, and Jesse's still I'm learning from one of the best. I mean, even though they they the relationship is shattered, certainly, but I still feel like there's there's potential for that relationship to regrow. They're still they're not going to end on. I don't think the I don't think the writers again. The writers are brilliant, and they'll do exactly opposite of whatever anybody thinks. I don't think they'll end them on the sour note. Well, they did point out that in the flashback where Hank comes back to the house, he's wearing Jesse's older jacket. I don't know. I think it might be Hank either comes back for Jesse. You know, maybe they're, you know, they said the meth wasn't good. Maybe Todd's still not cooking it as good. That they need him to come back. They like the, the cartel or whoever draws Jesse back in, and Walt has to go back to get him out. I think the ricin's more of just like an end game for him. If his cancer's back, what does he have to lose? You know, pop the ricin in and go out guns blazing. And, but oh, that no, doesn't really seem blazing, like his, that doesn't really seem like a style though. So I, I find it hard to believe. And that. have Jesse die right next to him, kind of like Romeo and Juliet almost. I uh, see. I don't want their relationship to repair itself. I want Jesse to get out. And Breaking Bad doesn't seem like a show where they just fix things that quickly right. either. My idea. But would they fix it because it's the finale? I think they wouldn't do anything differently for the finale. It'd just be one ends to another means. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen in the finale, but uh, I did have an idea of what the last scene should be. Regardless it's of not, what happens. It's not Walt waking up as the, the dad yeah. from Malcolm yeah. in the Middle realizing yeah. it was just a terrible dream. <laughs> I mean, that'll be the SNL skit at the end of the year, I'm sure. But uh, my idea for the last scene should be kind of taking a page out of Godfather 2. I was telling you this earlier. Godfather 2, if you don't know... You know, Michael's spoiler spoiler for a what forty year old movie, thirty year old. <laughs> Michael has his brother Fredo killed, and it's pretty much Godfather One with all these deaths, so he can sm- for- further solidify his power. Uh, and then it cuts to a dinner that takes place before Godfather One, where Pearl Harbor has just happened. Michael is joining the army. He's a completely different person. He seems like a good person. You know, Sonny introduces his sister to the husband who's later going to abuse her. Just it shows you how much has changed at the end by showing you the beginning. I think it would be a cool last scene for Breaking Bad after whatever happens to have Jesse in class when he was in high school and acting, you know, like uh, Jesse in high school and have Walt being like this really, this teacher who actually does care about him and telling him to, as he said, apply himself. Uh, and maybe there could be some, you know. So then the Breaking... Uh, I just got chills. The Breaking Bad comes full circle. Right. The since then... We see, we see I mean, a very sudden cut Vince back Gilligan's too. master. I mean, he said it hundreds of times, turning Mr. Chips into Scarface. Yeah. It'd be cool to see Mr. Chips once more to really get the impact of that change. Very I mean, and also because, you know, a lot of people want Jesse to go off riding off into the sunset. That may or may not happen, but to have it twisted around because Jesse is, you know, a high school stoner dropout mm-hmm. making meth with, you know, hot, hot peppers and... <laughs> And Walt, you know, as a straight-laced chemistry teacher, to see that reversed as Jesse, you know, what's the best-case scenario, witness protection, or clean slate, what what have you, just to have that turned around. I, I like that idea. That's interesting. I like that. You heard it here first. But, really, the big news that we couldn't get away from was Miley Cyrus. No, I'm not <laughs> I promise I will not promote that any further oh. than it needs to be, which it's been beaten to death already. But... The real big news was the casting of Batman in Zack Snyder's Batman and Superman movie. 
Unfortunately, I was hoping one of us would disagree with me, but it seems as though we're all in agreement about Ben Affleck as Superman. Uh, perhaps the one with the most most Superman. doubt. Or sorry, as Batman. You did play Superman, kind of. Yeah, almost. But uh, perhaps the one who was just trolling us the most. Maybe he can provide the other side of the story. Philby, what are your thoughts on Ben Affleck as Batman? I said I called these and told them that I was upset that Ben Affleck was the new Batman because you can't switch characters and he was already the Daredevil and I thought it was horrible that he was going to be the Batman. But truly, I do respect the man as an actor and Argo was a phenomenal movie and he's also had Dazed and Confused in his career and uh, a bunch of other good movies. Um, those are really the only two movies for you, Argo. Uh, those are really the only two that I can. Just, uh, just common plan. It uh, doesn't matter. But um, I think I, it's you got to give him a shot. I don't understand why people are such in such a fuss. I mean, it, the the proof is in the pudding. Heath Ledger. Everybody was pissed about Heath Ledger being the Joker, and he was a horrible Joker. And by horrible, I mean the best Joker, even better than. Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. Uh, the Batman animated series. He's Bees is just trying to be hipster about uh, it. I'm not being hipster. I like the animated series. I preferred him over... I'm talking live action. like Jack, Jack, Nicholson. Jack, Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Um, even though I still got nightmares from Jack Nicholson. Well, you were a bit younger yeah, at that point. But I think Heath Ledger still trumps all. Well, you know, it's interesting. The same thing happened... A bunch of times in the Batman series, as recently as Anne Hathaway being cast as Catwoman, everyone was up in arms about that. You know, it's going to be childish, cartoonish. Anne Hathaway, why would they cast her? And I think she nailed it as well as anyone could have nailed that part in that Besides movie. Besides Halle Berry. Right, of course. Right, Phil be trolling again. Uh, <laughs> and also, back when, even when Michael Keaton was cast, you know, I had no idea. I was in, I was still in the womb at this point. But people were up in arms about Michael Keaton. Because up until then, what had he done? He was Beetlejuice and some other silly characters. and Comedies, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he turned out to be a dark and great Batman in a, you know, Tim, one of Tim Burton's first defining films. Um, first off, you said you like Ben Affleck from Dazed and Confused and Argo. That's like saying, uh, you know, Steven Spielberg has Jaws, he has Lincoln. You know, <laughs> you're missing a lot. Yeah, people always bring up Geely and, and Daredevil, and they have to remember, and I'm not the first to say this, that those were ten years ago. He fell, as Patton Oswalt explained in an amazing article, he fell. He was on top, and he fell down to the bottom and picked himself up, and he made Gone, Gone, was Gone, Gone? Baby Gone, Gone, Baby Gone which I actually haven't seen. Yeah. Yeah. The Town, which Even is amazing, tomorrow. and Argo, which is amazing. And he's proven himself as an actor time and again. If you blame Daredevil on him, that's ridiculous. That's all script and director. It's not an act like, not that he did a particularly good job, but... Well, like Sylvie said, the proof is in the pudding. He directed himself, and yeah. he was good acting in exactly. it. Exactly. Um, overall, I'm kind of not terribly invested in the Man of Steel sequel, but this is at least interesting news. It's not boring. It makes me go, huh, well, wait a minute. It's more like, hey, man, if you can do it, best yeah. wishes to you. But it's not obvious casting, and that's far more intriguing to me than anything else. I mean, I have no doubt that, you know, he's going to bulk up, he's going to do the best uh, with what he's given. The question is, what he's given, will that be any good? I mean, how, not realistic, but how well is it going to be Superman versus Batman? Or are I they going to team up? Or, I mean, like, how does, how, how does it work? 
what are they going to be doing? I mean, sure, Superman, they've had a great base lead for him. I don't know why they couldn't make a sequel without Batman other than just to drum up publicity. Uh, question, questioning Zack Snyder. You argued for him. Uh, I don't think he's a bad director. I really think it's all... He needs a good script to work off of. I mean, what's his one not great movie, not very good movie, is Sucker Punch. And at worst, that's just an interesting failure. I think 300 solid. I think Watchmen's pretty good. I thought you liked Watchmen. No, I, I like Watchmen, and I like 300, and I like most of the things he's done, but I can't, I can't argue against the fact that what most people complain about is that there's one long music video or video game. You know, 300 without Gerard Butler, wh- what is that? Yeah. Um, I would say it's more... It's me, Man of Steel's issues all came from the script. It's all David Goyer. Um, I'm not saying he like he can do some good things, but he needs no, to be No, get a little background on David Goyer for people who don't read uh, comic books. Can we pause it so I can look him up? Like, David Goyer, he wrote all three Batman movies. He co-wrote them. Uh, I don't know exactly who he co-wrote. I think the Nolans had a really firm grasp. Like, they had a, a good leash on him. I think they, they had wrote. a better leash on him. Especially Dark for Dark Knight. Yeah. He also wrote all three Blade movies. He directed Blade Three. Now, granted, he was threatened by Wesley Snipes, supposedly, on Blade, on Blade, I'm sorry, Blade Trinity, but uh, I was never terribly impressed with those movies. Even though Guillermo del Toro did one, it just if you look like he wrote. Oh, don't forget he produced Ghost Rider according yeah, to Wikipedia. He wrote Ghost Rider too. Um, he did do Dark City, which I like. He's he's not terrible. I just don't think he's right for Superman at all. Yeah, I mean you got to be sure when you're investing. This is this, this is, is going to be a defining movie for. I mean, this, Warner Brothers is putting Lane all the cards on the table for this movie. This is my uncertainty with, and I love Chris Nolan, but pairing Chris Nolan and David Coyer with, with Superman, I just don't think they're quite suited to the material. Now, luckily, Chris Nolan is only producing, so it's nice to have his hand on things. But is he really producing? I mean, like, I know he did have a hand in... You think he's just literally giving them the money? I mean, he's, he's got a, He's directing, like, what? Two other movies? Yeah. He's directing Interstellar, which Matt Damon just cast. That's exciting. Um, I, as a small role, too. <laughs> yeah, but I mean... Um, I really don't think he's going to have too much of it. I mean, you have Zack Snyder who seems to have a good handle on it now. Zack Snyder just needs a good script, I think. I think they need to switch up their team of who's making it. I was I have many issues with Man of Steel, but there were some good seeds there that they could definitely work on. If they just do Batman versus Superman for the whole movie, that is going to be the most boring thing in the world. Because yeah, it's what's basically... Batman going to do? He's going to be perched in a cop building, scowling at people yeah. as they come by. Well, the argument is always Batman's the best if he's prepared. But really, he and I'm, again, this is not entirely all my thinking. I read it from many different things. But really, his superpower is money. It's pretty much money, at least as no one has seen him, I think. He's not as, uh, what's the word? Dynamic. Like, he pays for other people to think up his tech. Right. Now, granted, it's his idea. He's so not Iron something. Man, is what you're trying to say. He's not the movie Iron Man, and he's not the comic Batman, exactly. Which is fine for those movies. Well, because, yeah, if you're trying to make it realistically. Right. That's fine for those movies, but it's not interesting to me if you're going to do Batman versus Superman. And that's partially my take on it. All right, we have a few minutes left, so I think we're going to talk about a few upcoming movies that we're looking forward to. Uh, Bees, we'll start with you. Well, the first one I want to talk about isn't quite upcoming. It just came out about half a week ago. It's called The World's End. It's by Edgar Wright, who made Shaun the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, as well as the TV show Spaced. And he directed some of those. I 
need to think about it a little bit more, but I think it is my favorite movie of the summer. The only other contender would be Pacific Rim. World's yeah. End might edge it out just because there's a little more, I guess, substance to it. You mean um, it's not just fighting robots? Not that monsters. that's bad. I'm all for that. No, that's, this is well documented, yeah. Yeah, I love Pacific Rim. But if I'm going to pick the best movie this summer and they're tied, I'm going to go with one that makes me, you know, have some emotions a little more. Uh, it really is an amazing movie. It has some of the best fight scenes I've seen in a movie. Since Pacific Rim? Uh, I would favor World's End simply because I'm more interested in people versus people than robots versus monsters. They're slightly clearer. You can tell what's going on just a little bit more in these. I mean, it's not like the Bourne movies. Yeah. Hey, that's Bourne Legacy. It's, uh, he's a much cleaner editor than the Bourne movies. Not that those are bad. I just prefer Edgar we'll Wright's style. If you start yeah. the no, movie. I'm not. I'm, I'm really not. They're fine. I just prefer Edgar Wright's style a little more. He really, I think, is probably one of the top three directors out there. Uh, and he's making Ant-Man next, which I'm very excited for. People make fun of Ant-Man, but with Edgar Wright behind it, I'm sure it'll be good. The other movie I want to talk about is Gravity. I'm not stealing that from you, am I? Nope. Okay. Gravity looks really good. It's Alfonso Cuaron. I think I talked about this last yeah, time. Yeah, we actually. talked about it a little bit last time. Just about we talked about yeah. Alfonso Cuaron last time. It's I'm really interested to see how it plays out, how long it is too, because I think they're just in space the whole time, so I'm curious how that's going to Oh, it's only ninety minutes. Okay. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. That and somewhat ashamed Riddick because Riddick looks more like Pitch Black, and I love Pitch Black. If anything has Vin Diesel in it, you instantly lose credibility. Really? It's like having Pitbull in a song. Yeah. I enjoy Vin Diesel when he's in good movies. Okay, what X? movie was that? Pitch Black, pretty much. Triple X? I didn't see that one. Triple X 2, <coughs> Independence Day. He's the State of the Union. State of the Union. That's not even him, that's like Ice Cube. I know. <laughs> uh, he is going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy, though, supposedly, so. Yeah, that's true. I might have to suck it up <clears throat> just once. Just once. Philby, uh, what are you looking forward to? The Lifeguard comes out Friday, August 30th. It's a Kristen Bell movie, and it's close to home because I used to be a lifeguard. No um, shit. I did. Although, and before you trash it too much, I've heard that it's like a, an actually like an indie movie. That yeah, it's getting... In her 30s, and she like moves back and lifeguards with high school kids. So yeah, it's like, and starts a dangerous relationship yeah. with a troubled teenager. It sounds like a young adult. So it's... That one actually does look interesting. I wasn't just saying that to be Okay, uh, okay. Um, and then there's a movie I'm not looking forward to, which is the... Second in the three uh, Hunger Games. Four movies. Four movies? Yeah, they're doing the whole yeah. Harry Potter split it up. Oh, great. Good. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, Hunger Games, Catching Fire is coming out in November, but it's worth bringing up now because I'm going to have disdain for it from now until then. It's a different director, uh, so that's something to look that, forward to. I'll, I'll still probably end up seeing it. Oh, nice the, the same uh, dulled down violence. Yeah, yeah great. And um, I just think that the Hunger Games, the first movie that disappointed me about it is they left out a lot of the stuff from, I'm going to sound like bees on this, but the book wasn't like the movie. I think that they left out a lot of key plot points mm. and ignored them. And if that was the first time anybody had interacted with the series, if seeing the movie was the first time they interacted with it and not reading the book, I think they lost out on a lot of detail. Have you read the other books too? Yeah. Okay, because I was going to say, I think the second book, when they kind of tore the cities, 
or the districts, if I guess that's what they call the districts, that they introduced a lot more of that. But again, if you can't lay the groundwork, then how will they build on that? Exactly. And it was, it was assumed that they understood, you understood what was going on in that first one. And so I think, hopefully, hopefully they bring out more of that info in the second one. I would slightly dispute what you're saying. I don't mind if they cut stuff. My issue with that movie was there was too much. It was like tell it was telegraph the right word. It was too much like okay, this is what happens in the book. Let's just show that happening. There was no unique feel to the movie. Stinks from the book. But I feel like that's what people people who people who like the books demand. That's why yeah, I don't you have so that. many bland Harry Potter yeah. movies besides like yeah. the third one and maybe the last one. Uh, sixth one was good. But uh, I just think I mean... I agree. Though, you, you, you dropped a lot. They dropped a lot of plot points and just kind of, well, just ignore those. Ignore that. Ignore yeah. that. Don't even pay attention to that. Just keep going. And so I think it was I don't know. Hopefully the second one's better. Um, the book uh, is better. Well, the book is better, yeah. The second book. And eventually, I mean, eventually Anchorman 2 comes out, but that's a distance. That's what, Christmas? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's Christmas, December 20th. I think Harrison Ford's in it as a cameo. Well, I don't know. Way to ruin it, Way to ruin it. Spoiler alert. Everyone's talking about it. I had no idea. Bees did not either, and Philby did not either. Therefore, no one cameos are not spoilers. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. He talked about it on a Tonight Show. It's somebody... Yeah, but I I don't don't watch the Tonight Show. The first time I saw Anchorman, I didn't know that Jack Black was going to get a burrito thrown in his face and punt his dog. The first time I saw Dodgeball, I didn't know Lance Armstrong was going to be in the end of it. Pour one out for that liar. If it's talked about in the Tonight Show, it's not a spoiler. Yes, it is, because I don't watch the Tonight Show. Yeah, because can't stay up that late. Nobody got time for that, Bees. I don't have time. I don't watch it. I just read about it on Huffington Post. It said it in a headlock. Oh, was that in between your breaking nip slip news on Huffington yeah. Post? <laughs> it was. I, I follow those religiously. <laughs> well, uh, just to steer things back a little bit, uh, two movies that uh, I'm looking for. I want to put a plug in first. It's coming out in theater soon. I watched it. I'm going to sound like I'm filling my nose. I was really bored one day, and I, iTunes has, like, upcoming movies before they're in theaters, and they had a sale for $5. Uh, so I rented the movie Prince Avalanche. If you're not familiar, it stars Emil Hirsch and Paul Rudd. Uh, Emil Hirsch, you'll know, he was in Into the Wild, uh, pretty much by himself, the whole movie, it's, which is pretty much what this movie is like with Paul Rudd. They are set in the late 80s. They're uh, rebuilding roads after a Texas wildfire, so it's them, just those two camping out in the wilderness. Uh, one of my favorite bands, Explosions in the Sky, scores the movie. If you've seen the Friday Night, Friday Night Lights movie, not the show based after the movie, the movie, uh, they they score that movie. They've done a few other soundtracks, but they're really good. Uh, like I said, it's just those two in the wild the whole time. It's kind of like a, not really a coming of age. It's, there's, and there's not even that much of a plot, but it's just a really great movie. The second movie I want to talk about is called Drinking Buddies. It's also kind of an indie flick. I'm not sure if it's still on iTunes, but it, it's uh, it's coming out, I think, this weekend or next weekend. It was released limited last weekend, but it stars uh, Olivia Wilde and Anna Kendrick and a few other people. Like She works at a brewery. Uh, it's kind of like, I don't like my boyfriend. The guy who I like, though, is with Anna Kendrick. What are we going to do? But they said it's written by the same guy who wrote 500 Days of Summer. Very well-respected indie director. Uh, I really like 500 Days of Summer. I really like everyone in the movie, so I'm willing to give it a chance. It's getting really good reviews, so I also want to put in a plug for that. Uh, Bees and I don't have too much uh, in ways of music this week. I'm kind of just getting back into vinyl and records. 
but Philby does want to give a plug, so Philby, take it away. The new Civil War album was awesome. Is it Civil Wars? It's Civil, Civil Wars. Wars. I just mispronounced. Civil Wars album is cool. awesome. They produced their first album. They got super big. Then they, she had a baby. Joy Williams had a baby, and things got a little rocky. And so then they like took a hiatus, which is your SAT word for the day. And then they are now back together and producing, and it's even... Their music's pretty, like, emotional and rockin' and country, and now it's equally, or if not more, emotional and rocky. And sometimes groups hit the sophomore slump where their second album repeats much of what their first album does, so people aren't as fascinated by it. This album is as equally fascinating, if not more fascinating, than their first album. It is, I mean, the one song I can't stand is the one that they sing French in, because I didn't pay no 99 cents for a song that's only in French. But, otherwise, the other songs on the album are just spectacular. So, listen to the new Civil Wars, and go see the One Direction movie, because that movie's also awesome. Do you get mad that Should I Stay or Should I Go is part in Spanish. Oh no, that's fine. I can speak Spanish. I just don't I don't know what <laughs> Baxter, you know I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> well that brings us to the end of our podcast. I want to thank everyone for continuing to listen. Now remember if you have anyone with an interest in this, please tell them they can subscribe on iTunes by searching Bendy Space Philby or you know, just suggest them through a link that you have because you're obviously subscribed or listening to it. Uh, so spread the word. And whatever you do, take care of your shoes. <laughs>